This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. Okay, so we will now have uh, the scripture reading. Um, so today's reading is taken from 2 Peter chapter 3. So I'll give you some time to take out your Bible um, as I invite Sister Pauline to come out to read to us. Let's read God's word from 2 Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Saviour through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that your Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. This is the word of God. <clears throat> 
Thanks be to God. I'll now pass the time over to Nick, who will uh, explain today's passage to us. Okay. Good morning, friends. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for speaking to us through your word. Please grant me wisdom to speak, and may your spirit work as your word is preached. And grant to us listening a clear mind to understand your word and a heart that remembers. In Jesus' name, Amen. In 2005, uh, New Zealand recognized the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster as an organization. Okay, so if you go to New Zealand today, you can go to this church. You can, they can conduct your wedding ceremonies for you. Their followers, uh, they wear pasta strainers on their heads and they call themselves pasta farians. And they believe uh, that that a, okay, they claim to believe okay, they claim to believe that a flying spaghetti monster created the universe and that pirates were the original uh, pastafarians. Okay, for, what about heaven? Okay, so pa- the pastafarian concept of heaven includes a beer volcano and a strip, stripper flag- factory. In hell, the beer, beer is stale and strippers have STDs. So what's going on here? This is a real organization uh, and what happened is people invented uh, this religion, so-called religion, to protest against teaching children uh, that God made the world. And they think that believing that God made the world, that is as, as, uh, I don't know, as nonsense as believing that a pasta monster created the world. So if you want to teach that God made the world in schools, yes, but you must also alongside teach that a pasta monster made the world. Yeah. They find that it's absurd that God could have made the world. So they came up with this uh, fake religion to make fun of Christianity. Now, it's not just the, the world out there that finds Christianity strange. You see, our friends and family uh, find Christianity strange. You see, my friends used, uh, used to find it strange uh, that I'm not free to meet, to catch up with them every Friday night, uh, each Sunday, because I'm at church. Maybe your friends find it strange that you could believe in someone who died and rose again. That person could save you. And you even believe that it's coming back to judge the living and the dead. The pressure is on us Christians to forget Jesus. Not to hold on so tightly to Jesus. To be more flexible in what Jesus says. And that's what the first Christians are feeling too. The world was squeezing Christians into his mold. False teachers were being influenced by the world. So they came from within the church and they appealed to the people's, the Christians' sinful desires. They said, do, oh, the world is free, so do whatever you want. And the delay uh, means that Jesus' uh, coming is cancelled. Jesus isn't coming back. So live how you want. Don't need to be ready. And for us Christians, we are always in danger of forgetting the next world. The danger of, of missing out of the new heavens and new earth that God has prepared for you. So Jesus sent Peter to write this letter for us, to all Christians, the first Christians and even to us today. And the message is the same. Remember Jesus is coming back. So in chapter 3, uh, Jesus, Peter, uh, he disproves the false teachers, uh, challenges about Jesus' return. So he says uh, three things. He says, uh, Remember the, remember the day despite the scoffing, and then remember the day despite the delay, 
And the response is, we look forward to the day. Remember the, the day despite the scoffing, remember the day despite the delay, and look forward to the day. So first, remember uh, the day despite the scoffing. So in the passage today, Peter starts by telling us to remember. So what is it that we remember? Uh, verse 1. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. So we, we must remember. Remember what the prophets said. Remember what the apostles told us about, uh, from, from Jesus. And they told us, Okay, so oh, so, press this, yeah. okay, so they, they told us that Jesus is coming back. So in the passage today we read, you also must be ready, because this is Jesus' words, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour that, when you do not expect him. You must be ready. Peter has told us this before in Second Peter, he's telling us again to remind us, uh, to remind us what we know. Now today we might want uh, new information about Jesus' return. We think new, new information is the thing that will help us persevere. Well, previously, I was, from, uh, I was from a background that didn't teach the Bible well. So for us, we were always looking for Jesus' return in the wrong ways. So we read the books of Daniel and Revelation, and we try to figure out the exact sequence of events and the exact date that Jesus returned. But we always get the signs wrong, and then we have to change our interpretation. So some uh, commentator says it's called Continuous reinterpretation. Yeah, so by, what it means is that this is, this is the wrong way to interpret the Bible. So for example, uh, in the past, long ago, they, we, we would say that, okay, so the, the book of Revelation, before Jesus comes back, there's going to be this uh, beast that comes up, and this beast has 10 crowns. This 10 crowns represents uh, 10 rulers. Okay. And how we interpret this is, when there are 10 nations in EU, then EU will become the beast in Revelation with the ten crowns. Yeah, and Jesus will come back soon. But you see, the friends, the problem was EU doesn't just have ten members; it has more than ten. So, I, I, yeah. So, because once once EU crossed the number ten, the number tenth member, we had to change our interpretation. It's no the beast isn't EU anymore; it's someone else, it's something else, it's anything else. But friends, we don't need new information. We have the information. We just remember what the Bible says, what the prophets say, what Jesus tells us uh, through prophets like Peter. Remember Jesus' return. That's what they tell us. And when Jesus comes back, Jesus will save his people. Jesus will judge his enemies. And the Bible calls this day where Jesus returned the day of judgment. So Jesus speaks to us uh, through Peter in this book. We don't need new information. We just need to remember what we're told, that Jesus is coming back. And then we need to remember this because there are people who scoff at us. There are scoffers who scoff at us who are believing in this. So verse 3, these false teachers scoff. They mock us with their words. They mock us with their sinful actions. To them, godly living makes no sense because they don't think Jesus is coming back. So look at verse 4. This is what they say. They will say, verse 4, Where is this coming? He promised. 
Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has been since the beginning of creation. So to them, Jesus isn't coming back. Why? Because the world is the same since long ago. If it's all the same, that means Jesus isn't in control. He has no authority. He hasn't done anything to show that he's in charge. If he hasn't done anything to show that he's in charge, maybe he isn't in charge. He has no authority. Now, friends, there are some computer games where your, 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 gang, your uh, character is a gangster. Okay, so in this, in this computer game with your gangster character, he, can, he has to commit crime in this game to climb the gangster corporate ladder. People are free in this, within this game to uh, commit whatever crime they want. Then they're free from the police authority. The police cannot arrest, arrest you from committing crimes in this game. So for these false teachers, they think that they are in this game with Jesus. They think they are free from Jesus. That Jesus is absent, has no authority in their everyday life. There is no sign that he's in control. There's no sign that he's in authority. Therefore, he's not coming back to judge. And since he's not coming back, then we are free. We are free from control. We are free from his control. We can live however we want. So Christians, what they think is Christians are fools for following a fake Jesus who's not coming back. And the church, what do they think? The church is oppressing, oppressing people by holding them back from living, uh, from, from, from true freedom outside the church. In the same way, that's, that's why we started with the, people came out with this church of the flying spaghetti monster to mock us. Now these are not, these, these are false teachers, uh, uh, these are, sorry, these are not false teachers that came from within the church. They are, what, what, well, what they are is they are teacher, people who deny Jesus' return. They say that there's no evidence is coming back. They say the world is free. And Christians are oppressing the world with their falsehoods. And for the false teachers, for the people who today who don't believe in Jesus, who reject that Jesus is coming back, the physical world is all that there is. Because they only see the world. They forget God's word. For the false teachers in our passage today, it's a bit different because these people... They have heard, they have heard the apostles and the prophets. They, they have heard just like the Christians. They came from within the church. But in verse 5, they deliberately forget what the apostles and prophets say. So these are the ungodly people in chapter 2 and chapter 3 that says will be destroyed. So what is it that they forget? They forget two things. First, they forget that God is in control. So in verse 5 and 6, God shows that he's in control by Make, creating the world with his word and then destroying the world. Verse 5. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also, the world of, the, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. So the, 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 this world that the false teachers claim has been continuing. Now they claim that Christ has no authority in this world but they overlook, they deliberately forget that this world had a beginning. That this world was formed by the word of God. God spoke and it was created from water. And then these same waters flooded the world during the time of Noah and destroyed it. That's what we saw last week. So God made the world we live in. This world is his world. We live under his authority. 
under Christ's authority. Christ's authoritative word spoke and made the world. So as God created the world, God judged the, and God judged the world, this shows that God has authority. But the false teachers might ask, well, why, aren't, why isn't Jesus, why isn't God exercising authority? Why are we allowed to continue doing the evil that we do? And for Christians, we might wonder, why do false teachers keep spouting nonsense without condemnation? That's because God has reserved the world for judgment. Verse 7. By the same word, the present heaven and heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. God's authoritative word that spoke and made and created the world. And that same authoritative word has reserved the world for fire. As a kind of a trap for the ungodly, for their destruction, for their judgment. So it shows that there's no escape for the ungodly. Not in heaven, not on earth. So in chapter 2 verse 9, last week we saw, God holds the unrighteous for judgment. And last week I said, it's like being on bail. And when, when, when criminals are on bail, criminals are free to move around. And sometimes they go back to commit, committing crimes while on bail. But they will be caught, they will be sentenced. And in this passage, chapter 3 verse 7, it's like the criminals have nowhere to run. Like God has put, it's as if God has put heaven and, on earth, heaven and earth on bail too. And on judgment day, on judgment day, God will burn the earth and heaven with fire. There's no escape. There's no like, special bunker you can create on earth to escape God. There's no escape for the ungodly false teachers. Not in heaven, not on earth. There's nowhere to hide. The same word that created the world they live in has reserved the, reserved the cosmos for judgment. So there, there doesn't seem to be anything going on with the false teachers. God doesn't seem to be doing anything, but God has reserved Reserve the cosmos for judgment, and they will be judged. So don't be fooled by false teachers who mock you in their supposed freedom. Remember Jesus' return. Remember God's in control of His God's in control by His word. There's no escape for the ungodly. And so remember the day despite scoffing. So that's the first thing Peter wants to say. Next, in chapter chapter 3, verse 8. Peter wants to remind us to remember the day despite delay. Now, some people might assume that the delay in Jesus' return is that Jesus isn't coming back. The delay, the delay, the delay means, maybe they say, judgment is cancelled. Now, judgment isn't cancelled because what this passage tells us is Jesus just has a different concept of time. Jesus is on a different time zone. Verse 8 but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a, thousand, a day is like a thousand day, years. And a thousand years is like a day. A time works differently for us and for Jesus. We are on an earthly time zone. Jesus is on an eternal, heavenly time zone. Uh, even our earthly time zones are different. And once a month, I attend the children's ministry training over Zoom. My training is at 1 p.m. Singapore time. So it's, for me, it's after lunch. Uh, my trainer is from Dubai. She joins in at 9 a.m. after her breakfast. Uh, there's, another, there's another friend uh, who joins in from Malaysia at 1 p.m. or so. But our friends from Australia join in the training at 3 p.m. after their afternoon teas. 
So our, our time zones are all different. So what we're doing, I mean, it's all different. Our time, and time works differently on Jesus' eternal time zone. But what we feel might be a long delay, what we might feel is 2,000 years, a long time, maybe for Jesus, a short time. Or maybe it's the other way. Maybe the, this 2,000 years for us might be, I don't know, an even longer time uh, for Jesus. Well, we don't know because time works differently for, for him. So the delay, this delay in time doesn't mean that uh, judgment day is cancelled. How, how should we understand the delay? We should understand it as Jesus' patience. The delay shows Jesus' patience. Verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord Jesus will keep his promise. Jesus did not forget his promise. He's not slow. He's not reluctant to keep his promise. He's not powerless to keep his promise. What verse 9 says is this, this delay is for you. Jesus doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to repent. Now, some, some people say that well, this, is, well, this is a passage that shows that Jesus desires for more people to be saved. For example, this is another passage that uh, talks about Jesus. Jesus, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. So that's why Jesus delays uh, coming. Yes, God does want people to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved, and he wants us to uh, tell people about Jesus. Okay, so okay, this is uh, what I think of this passage. Not everyone thinks this. It's okay. It's okay. All right. uh, we, we can talk about this afterwards. What I think is uh, in chapter 3, verse 9 is Jesus is patient with Christians because it says he's patient with you. You Christians. Peter wrote this letter to Christians who have faith. Chapter 1, verse 1. To those through the righteous, righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So this is only Christians have received that faith as precious as the apostles. So it's the Christians who Jesus is patient about, who Peter wants not to perish, but to come to repentance. Now this doesn't mean that true Christians are in danger of perishing. Because in chapter, in verse, chapter 1 verse 10, we see, we, it says that we live godly lives not to earn a place in heaven. But in, chap, in chapter 1 verse, verse 10 and 11, it says to confirm your calling election. For if you do, do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into our eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus wants all Christians to repent. So all Christians need to keep living this godly life, to keep growing spiritually in, in this world. So that's why the delay is, shows Jesus' patience. Jesus is giving us more and more chance to live a godly life. Now, friends, this delay is not forever because the day will come. And when it comes, it will be cosmic and unexpected. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And, every, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. The day when Jesus comes will become as a surprise. Like when a thief surprises you. And when that happens... Now, everything in heaven and earth will be destroyed. Even the basic building blocks of the world will be destroyed. Uh, many years ago, I visited 
uh, Pompeii exhibition in Singapore. The Pompeii exhibition came to Singapore, and I, yeah, it was free for me, it was free for Singaporeans at the National Museum. So I went. And what this, what, what, it, what it taught me is on 24th August, 79 AD, at 1 p.m., a volcano suddenly erupted uh, in southern Italy, in the city of Pompeii. People were caught by surprise. They expected and at least 2,000 people were killed immediately by ash, smoke, and toxic gases. So they were, they were killed suddenly. They were not prepared. And 2,000 people died. That's really tragic. And what, what the Bible says is, on the day of judgment, it will be worse. Everything will burn. Everything will be exposed. Nothing will escape. And this, will come, and this day will come uh, like a, as a surprise, like a thief. Now, no one can calculate the exact day that Jesus returned. Yeah, so I think, yeah, so you might have experienced uh, a thief coming to your house. A thief never says, knocks on your door, says, Hi, I'd like to, I noticed you left your door unlocked. I'm just going to come in and take a few things and I'll leave. No, no thief does that. I think someone in our Bible study group, in my Bible study group, shared about how a thief came in, took her things, and managed to find the car keys and went out and drove the car away. That's how thieves work. And someone else in my Bible study group said, if you can predict the day that Jesus comes back, then you're wrong already. Yeah. You're wrong already. Because Jesus', so Jesus return will be cosmic. It will affect the heavens, it will affect the earth, and everything in it. Everything, everyone will be caught up by this. So either you'll be destroyed or you'll be saved. So remember this day despite the scoffing. And remember this day despite the delay. And for godly Christians, this day isn't scary. This is a day that we look forward to. Because this is the day of our salvation. This is, and this day, Jesus will exercise his divine authority to bring justice on earth. And where the enemies of God will be judged. And this day, this is a day that, that we talked about in chapter, chapter 1 verse 11, where we will receive a rich welcome to the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So how do we respond now? We look forward to the day. Our passage gives us three ways to look forward to the day. So verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of, life, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Holy and godly lives. Let's start with faith. Faith uh, that... Faith in Jesus as your king and your savior. And that's what chapter, chapter 1 verse 5 talks about. When it, when it starts, that's, a, that's, a, that's what chapter 1 verse 5 starts with when it describes the godly life. So friends, if you haven't believed in Jesus, you won't be in the eternal kingdom. And not just that, if you don't believe in Jesus, you can't start living the godly life now. No, you can't. You need to have faith so that now you can live the godly life and in future, Jesus will save you when he returns. Now, otherwise, now you can't live the godly life, and in future, you'll be destroyed. And for the rest of us, Jesus', Jesus cosmic return makes a living a holy life and God, making a, living a holy and godly life more urgent, uh, more important. You see, Jesus has already told us to be godly in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 3, Christ's divine power is already working us to be godly. So therefore, 
in chapter 1, verse 5. Live godly lives by growing in faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. So Jesus has already told us to live a godly life. So what's going on in this passage is there's a new motivation, a new reason, another reason to live a godly life. The reason is this cosmic future event will destroy the world, but you will be saved. You have the privilege to be saved. So as verse 13 and 14 say, in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus came back and caught us in the act of obeying him, of loving others, of telling others the gospel, of reading the Bible. Wouldn't that be great? Of living the holy life now that fits holy life the, of, in the new heaven, the new earth, the place where righteousness dwells. So we live righteously now because it, that, in new creation, that is where righteousness is. If you want to live the same kind of life now in, in heaven, you live righteous life. But otherwise, if you want to live a life, righteous life now so that later on, you don't want to relive a righteous life, you will be disappointed. So first, live godly lives. The second, when people mock us of, about the delay, we should see the delay as salvation. So chapter, so chapter 3, verse 15. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. So we, we saw earlier that the delay means God's patience, Jesus' patience for us so that we can live more and more godly lives. And when we live more and more godly lives, what's our benefit? We have more and more assurance that Jesus has saved us, that Jesus has called us into his kingdom. We have more and more confirmation uh, that God has chosen us, that we will be welcomed into his kingdom. So there's this story about a boy who was flying a kite. So last, uh, yesterday, we were, at Men's Ministry, we stopped at Marina Barrage. Uh, there are lots of kites uh, flying there. So, yeah, so imagine there's a boy flying this kite, and this kite flew so high that it disappeared into the clouds. And a man came by and asked the boy, Boy, why are you still holding the string? And the boy said, Oh, I've got a kite up there. The man looked up and said, I can't see the kite. And the boy replied, oh, I know it's up there because I can feel the tug. I can feel the tug of the string. The tug of the string confirms that the kite is there even though he can't see it. And similarly, our godliness confirms, it's the tug of the string for us, confirms that we have a place in Jesus' eternal kingdom even though we can't see that kingdom now. So each moment Jesus delays, it's, an, it's another moment for us to honour him in godly living, to tug on that string with our godly lives. To be more and more sure that we will be in Jesus' kingdom. And another way that, another way, also, verse 15 and 16 talks about how we read the Bible to remind ourselves when, when scoffers scoff at us. Verse 15, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to, wrote to you with wisdom that God gave him, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these things. These letters contain some things hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Paul also wrote to help 
help Christians persevere in godliness until Jesus returned. So Paul is another apostle, and he wrote a lot of let- many letters in the Bible. And false teachers, what they do is they twist Paul's words like other scriptures. They twist, God's word, they twist Paul's words to excuse them of their sin, to deny Jesus' return. But what you and I must do is that we must keep reading the Bible and we see delay as salvation, to see more and more opportunity to grow in our godliness. To see delay as salvation. Third, regard and grow. Guard yourselves from false teaching and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So grace is this God's favor. God's favor to us to, to call us, to save us who don't deserve to be saved and to call us his children. And knowledge is about knowing Jesus more. In chapter 1, verse 2, we saw that we receive grace as a gift uh, through knowing, knowing Jesus. But in chapter 3, verse 18, what do we do with that grace? Is it stagnant? No. That grace grows. We grow in our grace and our knowledge of Jesus, even as the false, false teaching of the world is trying to pull us the other way. When we are under pressure, sometimes we don't hold on to the truth so firmly. <clears throat> Maybe you don't believe the basics so strongly. Maybe we don't live out the basics so strongly. Maybe we have some compromises here and there. What verse 18 says is, what we have received at the start, that is what we must grow in. Otherwise, we are dry. And that's, that's what some people accuse Bible-believing churches. That we are dry, we are boring. The people are cold. Yeah, and this is what a pastor said. So this pastor, he's a pastor in history. His name is Alexander McLaren. He says... Truth which is not growing is being fossilized. The way to reduce your knowledge of Jesus Christ is to, to that inert condition to be fossilized is to neglect increasing in it and applying it to your daily life. So you see here, what happens is, well, you and I are in danger of this. Truth can be fossilized. We can be fossilized. And the way that we are fossilized is not by well, forgetting, what, forgetting, forgetting the the content of the, of the gospel. We are fossilized by not living out the content of the gospel. And this, is, this is a real danger for us. You see, each week we teach the Bible, from, we teach the Bible at Bible studies, in sermons, uh, at your one-to-ones, men's ministry, women's ministry. And in our small groups, we might get into serious discussions of, about what this word, that word means. But sometimes the word just gets stuck and doesn't go further. It just gets stuck in our head. doesn't go to our hearts. doesn't go to actions. Leaving our hearts cold, our growth stunted, and we are ripe for picking by false teachers. No. Peter wants us to keep growing in the basics, keep growing in the grace and knowledge. It's just like riding a bike. That's what we did yesterday at men's ministry. Uh, and, yeah, and, and after, after, after riding a bike, we had a balanced activity by having chicken wings and, and satay. When riding a bike, if you want to stay balanced, you don't stay still. The only way to stay balanced is to move forward. If you stay still, you will fall. In the same way, if you want assurance of heaven, you don't stay still. Keep going forward. Keep growing in your godliness. 
growing in your knowledge of Jesus. If you stay still, you'll fall. Friends, we started Second Peter uh, wondering if we can keep waiting for Jesus to come back. Or we will give up because the wait is just too long. Second Peter shows us that we can, we can keep waiting because in chapter 1, Christ's divine power is working in us to give us everything we need. Everything we need in the Bible to help us to keep growing as we wait. And in chapter 2, we have the warning not to be swayed by false teachers as we wait because they will be judged. Beware of them. Beware of false teachers. And chapter 3 reminds us that this waiting won't go on forever. There's an end point. Jesus is coming back. And the key, the key to unlocking this, unlocking Christ's power as we wait is remember. Remember that he's coming back. So when it's hard to wait, remember, chapter 1, remember your empowerment. You have Christ's power working in you now. When it's hard to wait, remember Christ's verdict on the false teachers. That they, will be, they are being held now for judgment until the end. And when it's hard to wait, remember Remember, Jesus is coming back for you. He's coming back to bring justice and to save you. Your hopes will be realized. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word that Jesus is coming back. So Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen. Okay, uh, thank you, Nick, for sharing with us uh, God's Word today. Indeed, uh, as we are waiting, the important thing is for us to know what we have, what we are doing in the midst of waiting for His return. And that is also to remember the things, the knowledge that Jesus has given to us. So, um, in the essence of time, because we are running out of time today, um, we actually will have, uh, no, um, we will not be spending time to break up into our you know, uh, groups to discuss about these reflection questions. But I would still like to uh, I'll take the opportunity to read out the three questions um, so that you can actually take it uh, to discuss during lunchtime or even the tea break downstairs. Okay, the three questions are, how do you feel about the day of judgment? Um, and the second question is, how should Jesus' return change our lives today? And the third question is, share with each other. In what areas have I grown? And in what areas do I need to grow? Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.